Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. In today's text from 2 Samuel chapter 13, that unrest within David's household, um, as really was began to be prophesied about by Nathan in the previous chapter as a consequence of his, his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, That unrest is starting to happen here. It's ultimately not the unrest that is prophesied, which is the the act of his son trying to take his kingdom and his wives. That's still coming and will come soon. But in the meantime, this is the beginning of it. Uh, this is Absalom turning against his family. And so we begin. Now, Absalom, David's son, had a beautiful sister whose name was Tamar. And after a time, Amnon, David's son, loved her. And Amnon was so tormented that he made himself ill because of his sister Tamar, for she was a virgin, and it seemed impossible to Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother. And Jonadab was a very crafty man, and he said to him, O son of the king, why are you so haggard morning after morning? Will you not tell me? Amnon said to him, I love Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Jonadab said to him, Lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes to see you, say to him, Let my sister Tamar come and give me bread to eat and prepare the food in my sight, that I may see it and eat it from her hand. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be ill. And when the king came to see him, Amnon said to the king, Please let my sister Tamar come and make a couple of cakes in my sight, that I may eat from her hand. Then David sent home to Tamar, saying, Go to your brother Amnon's house, and prepare food for him. So Tamar went to her brother Amnon's house, where he was lying down. And she took dough, and kneaded it, and made cakes in his sight, and baked the cakes. And she took the pan, and emptied it out before him, but he refused to eat. And Amnon said, Send out everyone from me. So everyone went out from him. Then Amnon said to Tamar, Bring the food into the chamber, that I may eat it from your hand. And Tamar took the cakes that she had made, and brought them into the chamber to Amnon her brother. But when she brought them near him to eat, he took hold of her and said to her, Come, lie with me, my sister. She answered him, No, my brother, do not violate me, for such a thing is not done in Israel. Do not do this outrageous thing. As for me, where could I carry my shame? And as for you, you would be as one of the outrageous fools in Israel. Now, therefore, please speak to the king, for he will not withhold me from you. But he would not listen to her, and being stronger than she, he violated her and lay with her. Then Amnon hated her with very great hatred, so that the hatred with which he hated her was greater than the love with which he had loved her. And Amnon said to her, Get up, go. But she said to him, No, my brother, for this wrong in sending me away is greater than the other that you did to me. But he would not listen to her. He called the young man who served him and said, Put this woman out of my presence and bolt the door after her. Now she was wearing a long robe with sleeves, for thus were the virgin daughters of the king dressed. So his servant put her out and bolted the door after her. And Tamar put ashes on her head and tore the long robe that she wore, and she laid her hand on her head and went away, crying aloud as she went. Her brother Absalom said to her, 
Has Amnon, your brother, been with you? Now hold your peace, my sister. He is your brother. Do not take this to heart. So Tamar lived, a desolate woman, in her brother Absalom's house. When King David heard of all these things, he was very angry. But Absalom spoke to Amnon, neither good nor bad, for Absalom hated Amnon, because he had violated his sister Tamar. After two full years, Absalom had sheep shearers at Baal Hazor, which is near Ephraim, and Absalom invited all the king's sons. And Absalom came to the king and said, Behold, your servant has sheep shearers. Please let the king and his servants go with your servant. But the king said to Absalom, No, my son, let us not all go, lest we be burdensome to you. He pressed him, but he would not go, but gave him his blessing. Then Absalom said, If not, please let my brother Amnon go with us. And the king said to him, Why should he go with you? But Absalom pressed him until he let Amnon and all the king's sons go with him. Then Absalom commanded his servants, Mark when Amnon's heart is merry with wine, and when I say to you, Strike Amnon, then kill him. Do not fear, have I not commanded you? Be courageous and be valiant. So the servants of Absalom did to Amnon as Absalom had commanded. Then all the king's sons arose, and each mounted his mule and fled. While they were on the way, news came to David. Absalom has struck down all the king's sons, and not one of them is left. Then the king arose and tore his garments and lay on the earth, and all his servants who were standing by tore their garments. But Jonadab, the son of Shimei, David's brother, said, Let not my lord suppose that they have killed all the young men, the king's sons, for Amnon alone is dead. For by the command of Absalom this has been determined from the day he violated his sister Tamar. Now therefore let not my lord the king so take it to heart as to suppose that all the king's sons are dead, for Amnon alone is dead. But Absalom fled. And the young man who kept wa kept the watch lifted up his eyes and, and looked, and behold, many people were coming from the road behind him by the side of the mountain. And Jonadab said to the king, Behold, the king's sons have come, as your servant said, so it has come about. And as soon as he had finished speaking, behold, the king's sons came and lifted up their voice and wept. And the king also and all his servants wept very bitterly. But Absalom fled and went to Talmai, the son of Amahud, king of Geshur. And David mourned for his son day after day. So Absalom fled and went to Geshur, and was there three years. And the spirit of the king longed to go out to Absalom, because he was comforted about Amnon, since he was dead. This is the word of the Lord. This is certainly a difficult chapter uh, to go through, and especially if you have children that you're trying to work through this chapter with. Uh, here we have the subject of rape, which is a terrible deed. And we also have the subject of murder, which is another terrible deed. So as we look at these things, my encouragement to you with children on difficult topics is that you have, have the willingness to read the scriptures to them anyway. And allow them to ask questions that they feel like asking. You know, for example, my little girls at this point are are at an age where if we read something like this, they probably wouldn't ask any questions. And so I would just be reading them God's word. And if I wanted to reflect on a couple of things, there are some things in here I can reflect on. 
with those young children that aren't on those difficult topics. Now, if your children are a little older, they might ask about these things, in which case you share with them what you're comfortable sharing. It could simply be, you know, this this is something we call rape, and it's it's a sin. It's something wrong. You shouldn't do this. It could be that simple. It could be that you go a little deeper and have a deeper conversation about our culture today, in which these things still occur. Um, with uh, an older son, certainly the encouragement to never do something like this with an older daughter, um, trying to encourage her in ways to not be in situations where it could occur. Um, can't avoid every situation, but where we can, probably should. But beyond that, also the idea that if something like this ever happened to your daughter, you would not be disowning her. You know, that's a conversation that our, our young ladies need to hear, that if they have been wronged, it's not their fault um, that they have been wronged, and we would still love them. Now, on the flip side of that, actually, we should still love even our even our child who would commit an act like this. We, we would not disown them in that sense. Uh, we would want to love them uh, and, and work through forgiveness with them as well. So some really deep conversations can come out of this depending on the level of comfort within your household on having some of these conversations. And, and we do need to probably, on any conversation, be willing to go maybe just beyond comfort level. So if you're comfortable going only so far, maybe stretch it just a little bit more um, as a means of growth for yourself and for your family. Just some thoughts, again, on, on how to handle difficult texts. Now let's actually look at this. Um, Amnon has fallen in love. I'm going to put that in air quotes, even though you can't see me, with his sister. We would look at this and say, that's not love, it's lust. He's lusting after his beautiful sister. She is a half-sister. David has many wives, and they are not from the same mom. She is from the same mother as Absalom is, though. Um, and so they are fully brother-sister. We would call Amnon lusting here, a lustful response. And we get the cousin. So this is Jonadab, who knows of Amnon's plight and develops a trap. He seemingly came up with it pretty quickly. Um, a trap to do something evil and, and dirty. Which really, when you consider the context here then, is one dirty deed following another. What did the king himself just do? Stealing another man's wife and committing murder to cover it up. So one... One dirty deed in the house of David after another, and that's not going to end uh, before the chapter's over either. So we come into the second paragraph of this. Amnon's plot has, has developed. He, he's he, almost to the moment of, of committing this sin with his sister, and she speaks. And her speech is interesting. Um, she she points out that this thing is not done in all the land of Israel, which is true. This has been forbidden among Israel to do such a thing. It was forbidden back in Leviticus chapter 18. And that's actually the, the idea of having sex with your sister. 
Uh, it's also forbidden to do this to a woman. That's Deuteronomy chapter 22, I believe, um, that you would find laws about such things as that. Um, if the woman is betrothed to be married, then the punishment is, is death for the man. Uh, the woman has done no wrong, according to Deuteronomy 22. If the, the punish, if the woman is not betrothed to be married, then the man is to pay the bride price and take her into his home as his wife and care for her for the rest of his days. He cannot divorce her. He cannot send her away. And we're going to see Tamar responding about that taking away part here in this text as well in just a little bit. So these these things have Old Testament precedent before them, without a doubt. Well, let's again look at some of this, some more. There's some faithfulness in what she speaks. So in verse 13, she talks about her shame, um, the idea that she's been defiled, that she's no longer a virgin, which is going to result in her not being able to marry a husband. So she has that concern. But the concern is not just for herself. And this is good. This is right. This is something we struggle with today. Um, in a situation like this, how many of us would think of the the offender? How many of us would think of, of their reputation and the harm that the, the sin would bring to them? We would most likely just think of ourselves. But here she's concerned about what's going to happen to her brother, what's going to happen to Amnon from this. You would be one of the outrageous fools. She suggests David would bless a marriage. Again, that's against Leviticus chapter 18, which has outlawed this, this act uh, of marriage between the two. And the penalty for this, should they do it, would be to be cut off from Israel. So as faithful as she was in caring for her brother here, and what she said may not have actually been true in that last regard. After the, the rape has been committed, Amnon hates her more than he had loved her at first. And again, I would argue that word love in this instance is probably more what we would consider lust than it is what we would consider an unconditional love for another person where you actually want to care for them. He doesn't want to care for her. That's not been his goal in this. She speaks again because he sends her away. And this is, again, the strength of Tamar and her faith. How many of us would have responded this way? This is a, a strong and faithful and God-fearing woman in this response. Again, the, the Deuteronomy 22 law had, if you put that into play here, Amnon must take her as his wife and care for her, and he's now refusing to do that. And so she's saying that this is this act of sending her away, which is the biblical idea of divorce, we'll come back to that. This act of sending her away is worse than the first. There is a great amount of scripture that you could use to support the idea that the act of sex is actually the act of getting married, the two becoming one flesh. 
Paul talks that way in 1 Corinthians 6 when he talks about being joined to a prostitute, for example. And so we have it here. When you get divorced, you, you give your wife a certificate of sending away. That's the way the Bible talks about it. It's not actually a dissolution of the marriage. It doesn't dissolve the marital bond. You just send her away. You, you put her out of the house. And she now has to care for herself instead of you caring for her, which is the what is the great sin of divorce is that it's a selfish thing. A man divorcing his wife is not giving up of himself. He's not laying down his life for her as Christ laid down his life for her. That's what the husband is commanded to do by scripture for his bride. That's not even close to what Amnon is doing for his, his sister here. He could care less. He wants her gone. And so he sends her away. She tears her robes. Um, she grieves. She changes. She acknowledges the change of her status here. And we see in the next paragraph, she ends up going to live with her brother Absalom in his house. And he ends up caring for her. That was certainly one of the, the ancient cultural customs. Uh, it could have been her father. He could. She could have lived in David's household. But brother is another another option there. So a good and faithful move by Absalom at first here, taking Tamar into his home and caring for her. However, verse 22, Absalom hates. So we've seen rape in this chapter. We've seen the hatred of brother uh, and sister for his sister. We've seen hatred of a brother for his brother. And we're going to see vengeance as well. All of these things, and you can ask your children about some of these, you know, um, is it okay to hate? And and the answer to that is no. Um, this is wrong uh, for Absalom as well. Absalom, if we're going to speak in scriptural terms, especially New Testament era, Absalom ought to forgive his brother. And that's not going to happen here. So, as we get to verse 23... There is a celebration, essentially of a harvest. You don't normally call it a harvest when you shear your sheep, but you're collecting the wool that's been growing all year. Uh, and so that's what, what we're seeing happen right here. It's a celebration of that. And Absalom wants his brother Amnon to come. And he gets him to come. And then he tricks him into getting drunk, as David did with Uriah. And then as David did with Joab, Absalom commands his, his servants to commit the dirty deed of murder. The command that Ab, Absalom gives to his servants, he tells them to kill Amnon, but then he says, do not fear, have I not commanded you? So by Absalom's words, his servants should do whatever he tells them to do because he has commanded them to do it. And so they should not worry about committing murder because they have been commanded by their authority to commit murder. This is a good opportunity again to talk to our family about the role of honoring our government. We are to honor a governor. That authority comes from the Lord, and we're to do what they ask us to do, unless it contradicts a command that God himself has given. So here, God is commanded not to murder. And so these men should have resisted Absalom's command, and they should not have killed Amnon. But they did. 
After that has occurred, the other brothers all flee, concerned perhaps that they were next. We don't really get told a, a reason there, but that's a, certainly a logical one, understandable. In verse 30, a yeah, misunderstanding occurs, and David thinks that all of his children have been killed. But then Jonadab, that plotting nephew from back in verse number 3, the one who put Amnon up to this in the first place, he tells the king that it's only Amnon who has died. It's hard to imagine Jonadab had this as part of his plan from the get-go, um, an idea of proving to be faithful in David's eyes, getting closer perhaps to the king, although that does sure seem to be the way he's playing it in the moment, um, giving the king better news. And then in the next paragraph, saying that his, you know, the king, telling the king, as your servant said, so it has come about. You can trust your servant. What Jonadab says is true. That kind of a thing. Absalom flees, goes to his grandfather's house. Talmai was uh, the, the father of his mom. Uh, and that's Gesher is in the land to the east of the Jordan River and the Salt Sea. So he goes there to hide, essentially, fleeing from David, who then mourns for Absalom. It's a little hard in 37 to figure out who David's mourning for. He's already mourned the death of Amnon in verse 36. And in verse 39, we're going to learn that he, he wants to go to Absalom. So it's hard to know in 37 specifically which son it's talking about. He mourns for both in the text. Now, it's, it's worth noting in the overall of this that Amnon was the firstborn son. Absalom's third in line. So Amnon's firstborn that's part of why David's mourning the death of Amnon, the loss of his son. This is the one who should have inherited the throne. This is the one who should have inherited the kingdom. Uh, the one who the promise of Jesus, the Messiah that would come and sit on the throne forever, it should have come through this son. And this is a weak spot for David. David should have punished Joab for committing murder against Abner a few chapters ago. David should have punished Amnon for raping his sister. But when these family issues come up, David has not brought about the justice. He's not meted out the punishments that God has prescribed in the Old Testament for these acts. He has allowed these, these wicked things to happen within his own household. And he has not not brought about the discipline that would help prevent these things. And that's going to continue with Absalom as we move forward in future days.